Hello, podcast listeners. This is Daniel Friedlander, and this is the Nintendo Podcast, or LithCast, episode 48 for New Year's Eve, 2008. listeners as previously stated this is daniel friedlander here at the lithcast studios in sunny southern california and you know don't ask me exactly why i'm making a lithcast today because i don't have all that much to talk about but we are doing a lithcast today and a part of the reason really is that i have a new microphone um i'm right now well Okay, let me just let me give you a little bit of a backstory here. Um, it was my birthday um, in you know, my birthday's December tenth, and so I so I got I got I got a present here, and this microphone is well, as far as I'm concerned, is the be all end all microphone because this microphone is so awesome. I mean, this is not just like a microphone like you, you know, might use it on stage. This is. This is like a, tu- a vacuum tube condenser microphone. So it sounds, I'm not sure if it'll come across on the podcast because it's just being scrunched down to, I think, 64 kilobit MP3. However, with, when it's not on the podcast and it's uncompressed, oh my God, this microphone sounds so cool. Now, um, I also got a little bit of other audio equipment with the microphone. Actually, you know what? I'm just kind of a gear geek, gear person, so I guess I'll explain everything I got. So... Um, one thing I said that's a little weird to adjust to is this microphone is a condenser microphone, whereas my old microphone was a dynamic microphone, and I'm already peeking it out a bit. So let me just lower the gain here. My old microphone was a dynamic microphone, so it's a little bit it's a little bit different. Um, actually, I'm gonna try something here. Um, so it's a little bit different. I think what I'm gonna try doing here with speaking is I'm going to try to, uh, <laughs> you know, like I say, with cast listeners, um, I'm not exactly a pro with this microphone so i'm trying not to blow out your ears here let's get the right setting i thought i had it before but you know so here's the thing with this microphone i also got a little bit of gear so i also got a preamp so that it goes into the computer okay and um it's a digital preamp so you know i can use it to go into the computer and then the other thing i got was a compressor which boy i tell you if, if once i get this stuff set up 
the compressor is going to be a, a real uh, godsend for all of you because you know what it does essentially is um well let me just explain that I don't have any of these things set up I am using my an older preamp um, to use this new microphone because I actually know how to work that one I actually know how to use my old equipment so I'm using a new microphone with old equipment this is a dynamic a tube condenser microphone it is a Lawson L47 microphone now I got such a great deal on it because normally I'm going to be honest and don't don't sue me, don't kill me. And believe me, this is not only for the podcast, you guys. But normally these things are about $2,000 just for the mic. Like, well, it comes with the power supply and a few other things, but still a lot for a mic. And I got such a good deal. I, got, I got actually got it at a, at a pawn shop. Um, and it's a mic I've sort of been looking around for. It's not a very common microphone. And so I'm very happy that I got it. And it sounds great, even though it's, you know, it's from a pawn shop. That's still fine. And uh, I, I don't think really knew how much it was really worth. So um, anyway, I was very lucky to get a this great deal on this mic. And the audio equipment is not particularly expensive either. I just, you know. Um, but anyway, the point is that I'm not sure how this is going to come across to the, you podcast listeners. But to me, um, when I listen back to it in its unedited, uncompressed version, it's going to be, it sounds so good. I mean, just the audio quality of this thing. And it's not just like sort of deeper voices like mine. It's anyone. I mean, I've had, I've had anyone. I've had, I've had females speaking to this microphone, and it sounds good on their voices. So I don't know. This uh, this mic's pretty nice. Um, like I was saying, I also have a compressor that I got in a compressor. It's not compressor like it makes like a, um, an uncompressed audio file into an MP3 compressor. What it is, I know this is not Nintendo related, but we'll get to that in a sec. What it is is that it says, say I decide to get really, really loud here and I'm talking, and I'm, I'm blowing out the mic and I just peeked it out. Well, what will happen with, with a compressor is that it will just tone it down. Depending on, you have, you set, have a, a setting called the attack. And the attack says, okay, well, how quickly after you start getting a little, you know, it sort of finds, it sort of tries to keep your, um, your sound relatively consistent in your volume. So it says, okay, if you, if you, get really loud how quickly do you want me to bring down the volume right now i'm not using that which is you know a lot of you know most good studios will have a compressor so you sort of have to trust my ability or i sort of have to trust my ability here to try to stay at a sort of consistent volume because this microphone is very sensitive if i had the gain up all the way i could probably hear across the street with this microphone so it's that's pretty sensitive and i'm I'm a little bit concerned that i don't have like a full-on studio here um to do this of course i've got enough i guess like i've sort of become a gear junkie although you know, some of this new audio equipment, I'm, I'm sort of looking at it and I'm saying, boy, you know what? I am an idiot. I, I I can't even plug the darn microphone in. And I've got this other preamp that I'm using, this Mbox 2, which is my old one. And I'm thinking, wow, that's so easy to use. I mean, yes, at one time I couldn't I couldn't even use the Mbox 2. But, you know, I suppose you live and, you live and learn a bit and um, that's that's how it is. So anyway, Lithcast listeners, um, I think now we have the volume relatively square away. One thing that's really nice about this microphone, by the way, in addition to its sound, is that I can, like my old microphone, dynamic microphone, super um, huge off-axis noise rejection, which means, like, it's great because if it's noisy, then, you know, you don't hear anything other than, you know, my voice. But the other thing is I've got to be really close. I basically had to kiss my pop filter, which is that sort of little black thing that kind of dangles in front of the microphone to keep you from... When you say that, like the letter P, you know, doesn't it doesn't peek out the mic? But now I can be like, 
I personally think the sweet spot for this mic is around, I don't know, uh, six or seven inches, although it really depends on the gain. And this thing, you can adjust the pickup pattern. And um, in fact, let me do that in one second. Okay, I just wanted to adjust that to a more cardioid pickup pattern there. Um, you don't need to know what all this means. I just sort of like showing off a little bit because this microphone is so cool. I can't believe the deal I got on this thing. And um, wow, it sounds very nice. Um, of course, like I said, one thing that's is that when it comes to a podcast, it becomes sort of irrelevant. You know, you think like, okay, well, you got a microphone like this, like a, and it's a really nice microphone. But if you're just compressing down to MP3, by no means are should most podcasters feel obligated to do this. I don't even think I do enough podcasts to warrant it. I just happen to be now into audio gear. If I wasn't, if it wasn't that, and I was just doing this for podcasting, by no means would I invest in a microphone like this. And I don't know how much of the outside noise you're going to be able to hear. It's sort of, I mean, I'm listening through a monitor right now, which is just sort of. But the thing is, the monitor for some reason on my microphone tends to be a lot noisier and a lot more, um, a lot more accepting of other noise than the actual mic itself. The way the recording comes about. All right, so now we can just talk about the song that you just heard. So what you were hearing, I mean, it's actually, well, see, when I was playing it, I thought, okay, this is going to be completely irrelevant to what we're going to talk about today. But um, I sort of, I'm sort of now hobbling together a little bit of relevancy because it does have a little bit to do with our Nintendo news of the day. So what that song was is that was uh, the, the theme when you battle Lance, you know, one of the members of the Elite Four, in Pokemon Gold and Silver. Now you're thinking, okay, well, what does Pokemon Gold and Silver have to do with this? Well, don't now bear with me here. It's going it's to be a stretch. It's going to be a huge stretch, actually. So, I mean, it probably won't even be like even a decent reason. However, we can still we can still we can still say that um, that this might be any uh, decent reason. So basically, Nintendo, as one of their pieces of news, I guess I'll, I guess I'll just get into the this one piece of news right now. And then I'll talk a little about the LiveCast stuff a little bit later. Um, you know, I mean, I, of course, I could talk about the Nintendo stuff right now uh, or talk about the LiveCast stuff right now, but we'll do that in a sec. Once and um, So as I say, we're, the reason we're talking about Pokemon Platinum is that one of the, the next Pokemon game in the series, Pokemon... Sorry, excuse me. One of the reason we're talking about Pokemon Gold and Silver is because the next po- Pokemon game in the series, Pokemon Platinum, is coming out for the DS. Now, it's already out in Japan, and I think you probably already know that this is sort of like this, you know, however every time you have red and blue, and then you have sort of the third game, which is yellow, and and then you have, you know, um, gold and silver, and then you have crystal. So you sort of have these, these, uh, these, these three games that come out at the same time. Um, so anyway, um, the sort of third game for the ones, the most recent Pokemon games, which were Diamond and Pearl, um, is Pokemon Platinum. Now, Pokemon Platinum, like I say, is already out in, in Japan, and what the reason I'm talking about it right now is because, um, you know, a few days ago, well, I should say, maybe two weeks ago, a little you know, a while ago, uh, Nintendo had a press release that they announced their entire um, lineup, and I'm going to tell you about their entire lineup because I'll be honest with you, and I, you know, I. I, I said I was partially making this because I have this new microphone here. I don't have that much to say. Um, I'm not very busy. It's New Year's Eve, so um, I have I had time to do a LithCast. And so I figured, you know what? In case you guys, I don't know, need something to listen to on New Year's or New Year's Eve or, I don't know, just whenever at, you know, at your leisure, 
Um, I thought, well, you know what? A Lithcast would certainly hit the spot if I was a Lithcast listener. Then, you know, sure, why not? So um, let's first go through, well, first I'll just get to the good stuff here, um, which is Pokemon Platinum. There was a whole bunch of games. Nintendo announced their entire 2000, 2009 lineup. I shouldn't say that, really. There's probably, I, sh- I, sh- I actually really should be honest. Actually, wait, I'm, what am I talking about? It's their first quarter of 2009. Um, and that's what we're going to talk about. So, um, and then we're also going to talk about, about some other stuff. But, um, okay, so let me just tell you, Pokemon Platinum is due to come out in North America uh, March 22nd of next year. Of course, I don't know when it comes out in Europe, and I don't know when it comes out in Australia. Uh, of course, we have we know that Nintendo has sort of a history of of this of uh, releasing these games later in these countries and these in these regions. Of course, we at Lithcast feel for the Europeans. Um, I it's a little bit mean how they kind of ignore you. Although you guys shouldn't be using PAL. I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, no, no I'm just kidding. Um, I mean, that's just who uses PAL. I mean. Really? No, just kidding. The point is, Nintendo, you shouldn't be so dismissive of the Europeans. I mean, I, I'm i not sure exactly that maybe they're... And it's understandable in the sense that, well, okay, maybe their market there isn't as big as it is in the United States or in Japan. You know, but the Europeans, at least the ones on Lithcast, and there's certainly a lot of Europeans that are very passionate about Nintendo games. I mean, I think they shouldn't... I, I can understand if it comes out later. I mean, a few days later, even a few weeks later. But a lot of the times they get games months or even sometimes, I mean, you know, really a long, a lot later. And it's understandable when it's, you know, we're talking about the United States and Japan delay. I mean, usually, you know, you look at Pokemon Platinum, it's, it was out this year already, out for holiday season. But it wasn't out here, which makes sense because it needs to be translated. Now, granted, most of the text is probably going to be very similar to Diamond and Pearl. But I can understand a translation time. But when you already have an English translation, you know, why can't you release it in Australia? Why can't you release it in England? I mean, to me, that just, I wonder. Okay. So, um, I mean, I understand, yes, there's the, oh, there's the, there's the, um, you'd spell things like, you know, center different, or you'd spell things like shop different, or you'd spell things like color different. But I actually would, would wager that a lot of the Europeans, I mean, I, maybe so Sam UK, can vouch for me on this, but of course he's not listening at this very second. Um, he could, but that a lot of the Europeans probably wouldn't mind if they use the American spellings if they got the games months before they did, because I don't know how long it takes to region and code one of these games. But um, I, I would wager to say that. I mean, my guess, just from my observations, is that British people can understand American English just fine. So, and I, th- I think the Australians are the same way. I think. So, I think they wouldn't mind so much. Now, maybe you might want to really... I mean, even so, oftentimes you can just go, you know, if it's like like using Microsoft Word, you can just go, you know, Command-F or Control-F on a Windows machine, and then just do the replace the words, and then bam, done. So, anyway, that's sort of an off-topic thing. But i got to say, though, we, this I don't know when it's coming out for, in Europe, um, unless it's already out, because if it's already out, that'd be really funny. I'd be going on this, getting on my high horse here to, um, well, really... Anyway, um, thankfully, we here at Lithcast have the internet, and so I can tell you for an absolute fact, unless of course it's not announced yet, when it's coming out in Europe. And I will tell you that currently there is no European release date announced. However, um, um, yeah, like I said, it came out September 13th in Japan to, uh, this year. So we're getting it, you know, September 
September, October, November, December, January, February, March. We're, we're, we're going to get seven months later here in the United States, but that's understandable from translation. Um, I can I can understand that. So anyway, let's just get out. Let's just get out of the way. Nintendo's software lineup. Getting this off of Zentendo.com. My uh, good buddy Mike Damiani, guy used to run the Hylia. This is his new site, although he doesn't write for it because he has a non-compete agreement with GameTrailers.com and all that stuff. It's not important. Um, for the Wii, we have Monsters vs. Aliens, March twenty-fourth. Monster Pals in sometime in March. Solitaire and Mahjong, February. Puzzle challenges and more in February. Crayola Colorful World, March. One something bikini zombie about zombie slayers, February. Well, Coraline, January. World Jong Party, January. Uh, do these games really come out? Okay. Battle Rage, February. Cradle of Rome. I should really make this text bigger on my computer here. Cradle of Rome it comes out February. Kate West, The Vanishing Files. March, Burger Island, March, Disney Sing It, High School Musical 3, Senior War, Winter, or Senior Year, Senior Year, Senior War would be a great name for a, for a high school musical title, Senior Year, Winter, Sometime in the Winter, Play the World, March, NASCAR Kart Racing, it's February 10th, Sim Animals, January 27th, Trivial Pursuit, Early Spring, um, yeah, I wonder why they why they announced it as Winter as the release date of a, for High School Musical 3 if it's uh, quarter one, anyway, Marble Saga Kororimpa Spring, um, Dance Dance Revolution Disney Grooves March. This is all these are all Wii games, by the way. Escape the Museum January Major Miners Majestic March, which is being released in March. Little King's Story February seventeenth, Rune Factory Frontier being released in March. Mario Power Tennis, hmm, in March. Pikmin, interesting March. The House of the Dead Overkill. February, Sonic and the Black Knight, March, Mad World, March, Rugu of Twisted Towers, February 17th, Pirates vs. Ninja, Ninja's Dodgeball, March, is this, a, is this a real game? Mar- Pirates vs. Ninja's Dodgeball, well, I don't think I'll be reviewing that, Brave, A Warrior's Tale, February 17th, Paws and Claws Pet Resort, January 5th, Neighborhood Games, January 5th, Tenshu Shadow Assassins, February Broken Sword, Shadows of the, Te- of the Templars, Director's Cut, March, Super Pickups, qu- sometime in quarter one. Phew, all right, now we got the DS version. Now we got the DS stuff out. Okay, Monsters, now we got DS. Monsters vs. Aliens, March 24th. Pit My Ride 2, March 24th. Animal Planet, like the TV channel. March 10th, My World, My Way, February 3rd. Legacy of Wise, Books 1 and 2, February 10th. Trackmania DS, February 17th. Monster Pals, March. Puzzle Quest, Galactrix, Quarter 1. Coraline, January. USA Today, Puzzle Craze, January. Dino Pets, March. Phineas and Ferb, Winter. Inkheart, January. Learn Math, wow, January. Driver's Ed Portable, January. Monster Band, January. Zoo Quest, February. My Personal Diary, wow, they're getting desperate. February. Music Star, Pop Star, February. Point or Paint by DS, March. Matchstick, March, wow, I wonder what Matchstick is. Dreamer, Top Model, March. Uh, Sarah, Keeper of the Unicorn, March. 
Learn Chess, March. Dragon Master, April. Zubo, March. Henry Hatsworth and the Puzzling Adventure, Quarter 1. Sim Animals, January 27th. Jagged Alliance, February 17th. American Pop Star, Road to Celebrity, March 9th. Elibits, Adventures of Kai and Zero, Quarter 1. Suikoden, Tyre Crease, Quarter 1. Little Magician's Magic Adventure, Quarter 1. Wonderworld Amusement Park, January. Power Bite, January. Our House, Quarter 1. Hot and Cold, March. Avalon Code, February. Flower, Sun, and Rain, March. Moon. Oh, excuse me, I got a little excited saying moon there. I peeked out the mic. Moon, January 17th. Sorry, 13th. Chicken Hunter Star Carts, wow. March 10th. Personal Trainer, Math, January 12th. Fire Emblem, Shadow Dragon, February 16th. Pokemon Platinum, March 22nd. Let's just say that again. Pokemon Platinum, March 22nd. Oh, Grand Theft Auto Chinatown Wars, Winter. Big Bang Mini, January 6th. Rugu Attack, February 17th. Brave Sherman Shaman's Challenge, February 17th. Whew, getting, okay, we're almost done. Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles Echoes of Time, Spring. World Championship Games, January, 7, January 19th. Paws and Claws Pampered Pets, January 5th. My Do-It-All, February Jake Power Fireman, January. Jake Power Policeman, January. Imagine Cheerleader, February. JoJo's Fashion Show, February. Um, I say Imagine Cheerleader is also January. I meant February, if I didn't say that correctly. Pets Horseshoe Ranch, February. Imagine Family Doctor, February. Imagine Ice Champions, March. Jake's Power Handyman, March. My Fashion Studio Paris Collection. Um, that comes out February 17th, so I know, I know Arbiter's going to want that one. American Pop Star, Road to Celebrity, March 24th. Broken Sword, Shadows of the Templars, Director's Cut, March. Retro Game Challenge, January 6th. So there you are. Those are all of the games that are going to be coming out for the DS and Wii in the first quarter of 2009. Although I don't exactly see how the winter counts as first quarter. But you can just explain that to me some other time. Unless by winter, I suppose they mean like... Actually, wait, no, that makes perfect sense. I suppose if they mean like just sometime either January or February. Or I guess December. Which I guess makes sense. Then, um, yeah, I guess I could see that. Um, so... Like I said, there aren't a lot of games I can get too excited about. Of course, Pokemon Platinum is the one that I get most excited about. Um, but, of course, it's really up to you. I know Arbiter's going to like my Fashion Studio Paris collection. I know he's going to like American Pop Star Road to Celebrity. I know he's going to like, um, you know, I mean, he, he's going to have a good year. Um, there's a lot of games that really do sound like they're right up his alley. Whereas myself, I mean, yeah, Pokemon Platinum sounds good, maybe. Um, you know, uh, Pokemon pa- I mean, Mario Power Tennis sounds good. Um, Mad World looks pretty cool. But, yeah, I mean, certainly I envy, um, you know, I, I really envy Arbiter's taste right now because he, he really can get into a lot more of these games, I think, than I can. Um, 
So, you know, that's just how it is. One thing I think that's going to be uh, proved to be a little bit weird, though, is going to be something like, um, you know, I wonder, like, some of these games, you know, I feel bad. I mean, because here's the thing. I always think, like, okay, anyone must be able to make a game because these games just sound so god-awful that I think, like, well, anyone could make a game, right? I mean, I, I certainly think it's within my ability to make a game that sounds better than, I don't know, um, like an example, personal trainer math or learn math. Like, okay, you need to learn math. Well, okay, get a DS game, I suppose. Um, I guess what I'm just saying is that it just seems to me that like it costs money to make games and I understand there are a lot of games that cost money that um, you know like it's really through the roof like really great games like uh, like games like Super Smash Brothers or Assassin's Creed or or a Halo title you know but then I think about games like these these games I, I think that, okay well they must be lower budget right but how low budget can they really be I mean they have to be so low budget that I mean it doesn't really matter if they lose money on it because they're just, they're not going to make any money on this game. And that's how most of these games really are. So, I don't know. Well, you know what? But as far as... like, okay, I guess what I'm saying is that... I mean, are there, is there really such a lack of good game designers? I mean, personally, it seems to me that there are a lot of good games. I mean, these are games that belong, I guess, on a WiiWare because these things, these games, most of these games probably aren't worth the cartridges they're, they're printed... They're, they're put on or the or in the case of a Wii game the discs they're pressed on I mean they're, so I just wonder like okay well why exactly do they why do they bother I mean I don't know I just think some of these games I mean because if we really took the time out if anyone took the time out to play every game that came out for the DS and you know I actually bet there are some people that do this play every game that came out for the DS every game that play, came out for the Wii heck every game that came out for any console I think we would find there's so much garbage there's just so much garbage on on the uh, on the on any of these platforms, and which is which makes me wonder. Like, okay, well, what is the threshold for getting these games? Which actually sort of comes into the question, brings into question. Remember Nintendo? I remember back when I first got my uh, my first Game Boy. Nintendo had this something called the Nintendo Seal of Quality, which was sort of a of your way of knowing that the game that you were about to buy was a good title. I mean, it was it was a pretty good way to know um nintendo would i guess review these games and it determined that they were good and up to par and worth playing and um you know now they call it the official nintendo seal which i guess just means that you show the game to nintendo and they said okay you're paying the license fees that's good we'll put our name on it people are going to buy your game and now it essentially means nothing but a lot of people are in favor of bringing back the official you know the nintendo seal of quality because it really did stand for a lot. I mean, certainly a lot of most Nintendo games got it, but that makes sense. Most of the best games for the Wii, in my opinion, are made by Nintendo anyway. Most of the best games for the DS, especially the games that really utilize the touch functionality, are made by Nintendo. So, what are you going to do? Um, the other thing that we're going to talk about a little bit is that, um, um, speaking of Nintendo, we talked a little bit about Club Nintendo a while back and how, you know, I happen to believe that Nintendo, you can argue all you want, didn't appeal to the hardcore gamer in a lot of their titles you can argue that and i don't i don't doubt that really but i actually there's such a backlog of games that i haven't played and there's so much work that i need to actually get done 
that doesn't bother me so much if they don't have a huge number of titles, right? I mean, I can understand why it might bother some of you guys. Um, some of you guys have probably played more games than I have. However, I, I do think that there is really no excuse for steps Nintendo has taken, in my, in my view, against the hardcore audience. And what I mean by that is, um, I've said it before, things like when they canceled the Nintendo Insider forums, when they canceled Camp Hyrule, these are things that are direct steps against the hardcore gamer. Um, let me just say, I've given this talk hundreds of times, probably, at least um, on this podcast. And the only reason I do it is because I really do believe that this is what the, this is the case. Um, I think that what has happened is that Nintendo has said, okay, I mean, I'm not sure what their motive is, but I guess let me, let me just say it this way. Nintendo has these, have these online message boards called the Insider Forums. Of course, we at livecast.com slash forums have our own forums. Um, but Nintendo's always has had these forums or had them for a while, and they were really great. I mean, actually, this is what got me into Nintendo, really. I mean, had I not had the Insider Forums as a place to go, I, I probably wouldn't have gone anywhere else because I just, you know, I would not have signed up for the Nintendo Forums had they not been endorsed, run, managed by Nintendo. So I view the Insider Forums as really what got me started in you know, actually really liking Nintendo products and talking about them and, you know, sharing my views among other among other Nintendo fans. So I think that it's a really important thing. And they canceled them in the sense that they no longer run the Nintendo Insider forums. Now, really, it was only the hardcore fans that went there. Um, and Nintendo, of course, has been making a lot of money. I can understand if they were, you know, completely were in bankruptcy. Maybe they need to cut back a little bit on expenses. And yes, we're going through tough financial times. But they did this before this happened, and they did, it and they're and they're still making plenty. And so I happen to, I mean, I I don't know. One of these days, when I get when I get when I back Reggie into a corner, um, and I you know and, I, and he gets, you know, or if I ever if I ever am a prison guard, and Reggie, is a prisoner there, I'm going to ask him, well, you know, Reggie, why did you cancel the insider? I mean, maybe you didn't do it, but why did you have, or why did your underlings cancel the insider forums? Because I really am. Comp- completely befuddled and I, I i love you know of course i i maybe we should have a conspiracy theorist come up with an idea but i don't even know what kind of conspiracy you could come up with i mean maybe it was it a legal thing i mean i know it was always a big deal with on their power on board every night they would have this big problem with people posting a whole bunch of spam a lot of garbage and have really inappropriate discussions maybe they get, they get sued I, I don't really know what it is and they did the same thing i think for um they did the same thing in camp hyrule they also canceled it Camp Hyrule was so fun. I mean, it was like, I mean, yes, it sounded really dumb when you said to someone, hey, hey, I'm going to online summer camp um, sponsored by Nintendo, and I'm really cool, and uh, all the other cool people like TSA and, K- and Keze, or however you say his name, and, uh, and Bronson are going to be there, and they're all really cool. I mean, yes, you sounded like an idiot if you said that, um, but it was still a lot of fun. There were chats with game designers sometimes, and you know you were sort. Of, my cabin has never won, which I felt sort of bad about. Um, I had only been to Camp Hyrule, I think three. I think I'd been to three Camp Hyrules, and I don't know. It was just it was so much fun. I really wish Nintendo would bring it back, and I don't see why they don't. It's I I at first thought well maybe they had a little bit of a dispute with their provider of all these services, which was Lithium Lithium Technologies. Um, but now they had Nintendo has their Nintendo support forums, which are you know specifically technical support their Wii and DS, and those are powered by lithium, so I'm thinking, okay, well, it's obvious, I'll strike that off the conspiracy theory list, 
So what could it be? As until they give me a solid answer, as far as I'm concerned, all I can interpret it as is is, is just okay. Well, we don't care about the hardcore, and like I, like I said, that is not. I think it's excusable if, if you say, "Well, they have been developing a lot of casual titles," because then you can just write it off and say, "Well, it's because they really want to expand the audience. They want to get more people, and they want to make you know s- store up a little bit of extra." cash on the hand, you know, so they can have it on hand, develop really great titles in the future. And all they're trying to do is they're trying to get these these new guys in so they can play hardcore games later. I mean, I can understand that. And I mean and it's not like they're not producing any hardcore titles, but they're it's just not it's not even what they were in the days that they were really in trouble when the GameCube was out. The GameCube was out. So I can understand why someone would be really upset at Nintendo. But at the same time, I have to say, well, that's great. But look at this, the symbolic um, the symbolism represented by them canceling the Insider forums and and Camp Hyrule. So what I what I was what I'm getting at with this is that um, I was I was ve- I was reassured recently that we here in the United States, anyway, and this is the other thing. This only applies to Camp Hyrule and um, sorry, um, Camp Hyrule and uh, the Insider forums really were a North American thing and so when I'm saying direct steps got the hardcore I'll be honest with you I don't really know what they did in Europe but these are what they what they this is what they did in the United States um, and those are two direct steps against the hardcore gamer that I have noticed them taking um, here in the United States so um, what I have found that was very reassuring was that Nintendo was going to be at least from the United States point of view very assuring they're going to be bringing over Club Nintendo here to the here to the States so what you can do is you can go to club.nintendo.com and let me tell you a little story. I mean, if you go there right now, um, it's actually fine, um, but um, it's was sort of sort of had a little problem. So they were, you know, we were we were eagerly we were we were we were eagerly awaiting the release, the um, the launching of club.nintendo.com, and eventually we got it. Um, so that's good. But then it had a few little technical problems. Um, it just wouldn't. I don't know. It just. I happened to be, I was one of the lucky ones. I didn't have all that many problems. So had they not, okay, well, let me just say that they had, in the way of technical problems, they had people who would log in that would immediately log them out. I had that happen to me, I think, once. And then basically what, let me explain what Club Nintendo is. Basically, you can log into Club Nintendo. If you have a My Nintendo account, you can simply move it over to Club Nintendo. And they have this in Europe and Japan, although the Europeans complain that the, the European... Club Nintendo is not so good, um, and I can certainly understand. Um, and what you would do is by registering product and registering systems, and by reg- and by completing online surveys, you can get points. And in the United States, we're calling them coins, I guess, uh, as opposed to stars, which I think is what they call them in Europe and you know elsewhere. So if I log in, it says, okay, the problem is this, thing, this site is always having problems. Um, right now, I can't log in because it's Due to high traffic volumes, the sign-in function may not be working properly. And I'm thinking, well, no, duh, it didn't sign me in. If you are sure the username and password are correct, please keep trying. Well, I've never been one to question Nintendo, so let's just keep trying it. Oh, still didn't work. Let's try it again, shall we? All right, nope, still didn't work. Well, let's just let's just say that this is an example. This is exemplary of what I'm trying to say. The site is great. I mean, the idea certainly is terrific, but 
let's just say they have less than perfect web engineers or at least people that didn't anticipate the amount of traffic that they would have on this on this uh, service they are having much they must be having a lot of traffic because it's been like this for at least a day straight um but let me just tell you what you what you can get you know it might be kind of interesting um so you get um currently the prizes are kind of tacky or kind of choosy I'm sort of not gonna, I'm going to say, I, I'm going to save up because I'm, well, the best thing is something that costs 800 coins. I'm sorry, 800, yeah, 800 coins. And um, it is the Game & Watch collection. So it's a, it's a Nintendo DS cartridge and it has several Game & Watch games. You know, great. And then there's also an, a white Nintendo DS game card case. Uh, they gave me some fr- one. They gave me some free, they gave me, they gave me free game card cases at Comic-Con. So, okay, well, why bother? And then they have Hanaf- Hanafuda cards, which are really nice. You know, that's sort of what Nintendo's known for. For $800, $800, excuse me, 800 coins. $800 might be a ripoff. Um, and um, they actually have, well, actually, I'll describe this. So this is like, kind of neat. They say, own a piece of Nintendo history with this traditional Hanafuda card set. Each card tastefully recreated Nintendo's themed artwork. So I don't think these are actually the original ones. Like if you went to the Nintendo buildings aren't the really ancient ones from like you know 1800s but you know and they have animal crossing playing cards mario mario party playing cards you know like playing cards and they had um a, a mario a club nintendo mario ds game rack they have a um they have a nintendo ds game card and stylus set they have a nintendo ds card and stylus set but your mario brothers theme um they have that same sort of thing, but Animal Crossing theme. They have an, a Nintendo DS-like case. And they have a Wii Remote holder, which is the cheapest thing for 300 coins. So, I mean, it's kind of neat, I guess, but I'm sort of... I'm expecting them to, like, release something really awesome. Like, I, I sort of have a feeling. I mean, you don't have to trust me on this, but I think... Like, right now, I don't know how many coins I have. I probably have about 800 coins, so I probably have enough to afford the most pricey thing, because as far as the surveys I've done and I was sort of stupid now because I, re- I bought my DS Lite in Japan so I can't register it and get the uh, the Uber system points for this um so oh well so what I find here is that I think what's going to happen and this is why I'm saving I mean, you can call this paranoia call it whatever you want but I have a feeling it's just a hunch that Nintendo's going to come up with something really awesome like it's going to be like like a lock of Mario's hair I mean, some or a lock of his mustache, or a lock of Link's hair, or the or a full or like a full scale replica of the Master Sword, or or like a fireball, you know, something that can't possibly like exist. Like, like, no, actually, that would probably be too controversial. Um, I was gonna say mushrooms, but um, like, I don't know, say. Um, A warp star, like let's say, if they, what if they gave away a warp star? Like a warp star would likely be worth more than eight hundred coins, my guess. Um, so I'm sort of being paranoid. I'm like, I bet that once they once they've sort of sold a lot, of things are gonna be like, oh, let's be really funny and let's let's reward the smart guys who decided to save to save up and will will obviously that's really expensive and you know all these guys are gonna be frantically going to the store and buying them or they'll have to buy these Club Nintendo prizes on eBay. Already, the Game and Watch collections have already appeared on eBay, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't 
be too surprised if anything that I mean, of course, you know, that's how it is with Club Nintendo gear. It's free. You can put it up on eBay. And so um, there you go. I'm trying to think which which of these gifts looks cool. I mean, they're all they're all actually pretty good. The only thing I think are stupid are the Hanafuda cards. I mean, those are neat, but since they're not real, like and also the DS game card case is kind of dumb. The game rack for my DS, I already have a pretty good system for organizing my DS games. So I don't really want that. The stylus cases are pretty stupid. The DS Lite case maybe, but the DS Lite is already pretty rugged anyway. I mean, it's a clamshell design. I mean, that was. I mean, they even say they, Nintendo even say, has been on record saying, "Well, we like the clamshell design because you don't need a case for it." So. The Game & Watch set, that's fine. I guess I'm not can't, can't be too excited about that. I guess if I had to pick something, I guess the playing cards are the best thing, and I probably would have gotten the Mario Party set. But I don't even like Mario Party that much, so... Oh, well. And then if I carry on the Animal Crossing set, people are going to think I'm some kind of weirdo. So... And the Wii Remote Holder, I'm surprised it's as cheap as it is. It must be really bad quality or something. Um, Oh, well. <laughs> well, okay. I am saving up for something else. And... um. So, that's my, that's my goal. I'm trying to see if I, I'm just going to wait till I can, until like, you know that Link statue that they had, um, they're giving away at the last Camp Hyrule? I'm waiting to get that. Um, yeah, I'm willing to get that, um, or I'm waiting for that to be offered on, um, Club Nintendo. So, um, there isn't that much Nintendo news, of course. At because I run the Hylia, um, I naturally have um, a tendency to know every bit of Zelda news. So, now, I figure I'll just tell you everything that happened in the world of Zelda because not very much happened in the world of Zelda. So, naturally, um, we had our... By the way, I'll just mention because I run the Hylia, and I forgot to mention Lithcast stuff, and there's not much to say about Lithcast.com right now, but I will just say that for the Hylia, we had our Ocarina of Time 10th Anniversary Contest. It went over so well I mean what happened was we said okay give us a paragraph and I, I I invited all of you to join and if you joined you had a very good chance of winning because here's what happened I said okay you give me a paragraph and you say okay why do you want an, an we're giving you an ocarina replica re, replicas of, of ocarinas that appear in the game so we said you tell us why you want this ocarina or what ocarina of time means to you and we got some amazing answers. I mean, people, really a lot of tearjerkers, in the words of Darren Songbird, the guy that was sort of commissioning the contest, you know, the guy that's giving away the prizes. I sort of, you know, he sort of was the guy to judge, because, you know, he, I have always sort of believed in the concept that my, my dad taught me, which is the, the golden rule. Is anyone here know the golden rule? It's not treat others the way you want to be treated. It is he who has the gold makes the rules. So he has the gold, in this case, the prizes, so he makes the rules. So there you go. So he gets to judge the entries. Now... What I found was there were some really good entries. And I'll tell you why it went really well. We said, okay, there's going to be four prizes. Um, first, second, third, and fourth place. And the higher you you get, the better of an ocarina you'll get. And I and then, you know, Darren Sombert sort of said, okay, well, you know, Daniel, thanks so much for doing this contest. I'm going to send you one of our first place $100 ocarinas for free with a case and a songbook, you know, just for free, because I really appreciate you doing this contest with me. I said, nice, nice, nice. I mean, I don't even play the ocarina. It's just such a cool thing and I got and I actually I got it already it's, it's really neat so now it's something to replace my old sweet potato ocarina which I barely can play so it doesn't matter I know I'm talking very quickly but I'm sort of I'm in a little bit of a hurry but at the same time I'm also just really excited here and um, so what what we did is we said okay fine 
we got maybe about a hundred, um, a little few, you know, a little more than a hundred on entries, I guess. And um, Darren said, you know, there were definitely more than four good entries. So I just decided to give my the thirty best went for thirty best a sweet potato ocarina, which is not the highest end. So it's like, but it's like a fifty dollar ocarina. And he gave thirty of these, and I'm thinking, okay, well, he gave six hundred dollars worth of extra prizes. I mean, that's a lot. <laughs> I mean, so it was just your chances were about one third of winning. So if you guys didn't enter, boy, you should, if you well, I mean, if you wanted one of these ocarinas, you shouldn't feel so great because, I mean, your chances were really good. I mean, I, I think the guy I think he's nuts. I mean, I I should probably get him into get him to a hospital because I don't even know what he was. He's just like, yeah, I'll give away thirty. Um, okay, give away 30. Yeah, do that. Anyway, as far as Zelda news, there isn't much. The one most disappointing piece of Zelda news that we um, we heard was, and it was came out, I think, on Dece- you know, December 15th, 16th, somewhere around there, and it was Miyamoto saying in an official Nintendo Magazine re- article, you probably won't see it at E3 this year. Sorry to say, but it's probably not going to happen. Um, and let me see if I was... And um, if you ask me, it's... You know, it's a little bit sad. And I guess one thing that I have to... And I was saying earlier about how Nintendo... Um, that a lot of people, a lot of fans believe that Nintendo is taking a lot of anti-hardcore gamer action um and i i do agree with that to a to a large to a large extent and the reason i do is because of things like this you think well i mean does nintendo owe us a new zelda game well that's really a matter of opinion you might say that given the number of casual titles they've been giving us well boy you better give us a new zelda on the other hand like it or not miyamoto is the guy developing these um, casual titles, and he also works on Zelda. So is it so is it so much of a stretch to s- assume that when the guy who makes the games decides I'm gonna go work on something else, is it so much of a stretch to say, well, okay, um, maybe this Zelda game is gonna be delayed. Maybe we won't see it at E3. Now I maintain I have a little bit of I sort of have a little bit of an opinion about this. So he said this in official Nintendo magazine, um, the UK Nintendo magazine. And um, I'll give you my take on it. I think it, I think it can go one of I think you really this can be due to one of two or three possibilities. The first one is simply that it's not ready to be shown at E three. I mean, look, he says he says quote I'm not I'm really not sure when we'll be able to make a public announcement on that. I can't even say if the next E three will be the right opportunity to do so. But rest assured, our teams are working on new projects right now. Now, I have to wonder. He says, "I'm, you know, when the right opportunity." So when he says language like that, I mean, yes, the natural reaction is to say, "Well, okay, he is just, you know, maybe it's just not ready." But I think that what it really means is when he says the opportunity. I think he realizes this. And I think they should have really, I th- I, my guess, because all they have to do, really, is they said a public announcement. A public announcement doesn't have to be a release date. It doesn't have to be a, a um, it doesn't, even, it doesn't have to showcase all that much. 
it doesn't even have to really even be on the show floor um, by any means. So really, this is just about showing something. So as far as and I think, and I still maintain, and I still think this, and I said, I, I sort of said this to everyone that asked me how E3 was and why, uh, you know, what, you know, this is just, you know, just people in my own family. When I asked, when they asked me, okay, well, why, you know, why would you say E3 is so bad? It's because Nintendo didn't have anything really to, to give. And I think the thing, I, I believe that they probably had some visuals in Zelda ready. I personally believe they have some character design. And there are the fans at E3, the hardcore fans, they can get into that, even if it's just beta stuff, even if it's just, heck, even if it's not even shaded yet. People can get into it. I think that'd be really cool to see the behind-the-scenes beta work on um, on Zelda. I mean, it certainly would build hype. Um, now, I personally think that Zelda usually can deliver on the hype that it tries to create. Not all, of course. Um, but I think, I think Twilight Princess delivered. I think, and I think, um, you know, I think titles have have done that I think um, I really do think they can do this so I think they have something ready but I have to wonder and I mentioned this in the Hylia article when I wrote my little take on it um, I, you know, I, edit, I editorialized a little bit and I said maybe it's because Miyamoto realizes and I don't blame him it's not very hard to realize that E3 is becoming less and less relevant and that's just and that's just and I guess the general trend toward about trade shows um, uh, or um, conferences in in general. My dad, for example, runs a conference um, about about corneal disease. You know, which is he's a, a doctor for eyes. Um, of course, you can go to his podcast joyoflasic dot com. By the way, anyway, um, g j o y o f l a s i k dot com. Um, you can go there, and he has a podcast. And everything he doesn't update very much. He updates less than me, believe it or not. And um, so anyway. He he runs a meeting actually in Colorado, and it's about corneal disease. It's a really good meeting. I've been there. I've probably gone to the meeting of oh gosh, at least at least ten or twelve times. So I've and this is like the twenty ninth annual meeting this year, and the attendance is down. The economy is sort of slowing. People really don't feel they need to go to trade shows anymore, even though the program is really good. And I've heard the lectures, and I think they're really good. Um, and it's not quite a trade show. There really aren't any product announcements, really, but there is a lot of showcasing things. There are a lot of seminars. And, um, it, you know, still, it doesn't seem that, you know, it's very relevant to have trade shows. And I think E3 doesn't seem like it's, it doesn't seem like people really care as much. Now, I still care about E3. I, I mean, I'll tell you one thing about E3 that really, it's tough for me to, to you know, I've only been to, th- well, I shouldn't say I've only been. I'm very lucky to have been to three E3s. And to be and to go to one that was really, really good. 2006 was absolutely amazing. I doubt there will ever be an E3 of that caliber. But boy, am I impressed. Was I impressed. I, it was, for one thing, I mean, they were leading up to the 2007 year of games, which is considered to be one of the best years in gaming, probably. I mean, 2008 was really good too, but I think 2007 probably takes the cake in a lot of people's minds. So really, you were announcing games that came, of course, in 2006, which were pretty good, and then games that came in 2007. And there was a lot of talk about the next-gen consoles, the, namely the PS3 and the Wii, because the 360 was already out at that time. So there was a lot, a lot, a lot of speculation. People were excited. I was excited. I mean, everyone. I mean, it was my first E3. I got to, I got to go to the, the big conference. 
I, Reggie comes out on stage. Says, I, I still remember what he says. He says, you came to L.A. this week to peek into the future. But if all you wanted is next generation, you're in the wrong place. Because what you'll see from Nintendo, uh, you know, he said something like, you know, something like that. And I st- it was, there was a chill in the air. It was, I mean, it was really, the, the entire room was, was under his spell. And I don't think we're ever going to see another E3 like that. But I do think that there is, and I don't know that's, that paradigms shift that fast. I mean, they do for some things, but to say that trade shows go from extremely relevant, million dollar, you know, tens of millions of dollars bo- in, spent on booths to completely irrelevant in 2009, I don't know if it shifts that fast. But I will say that trade shows do seem to be becoming less and less relevant. So maybe Miyamoto realizes this, and maybe he says, okay, we're going to release it, but we're going to release it in some other way. Maybe some places, maybe a way that's more cost-effective for us. Since apparently... No one else seems to think trade shows are that relevant anymore. Why should we? So E3, of course, is the time when we all expect Nintendo to announce its best stuff. But maybe Nintendo doesn't think, like many of us, that E3 is so relevant. But the question is, really, where will they announce it? Now, I think there's always these media summits Nintendo has, which is sort of sad if they announce it there, because I never get into those. Now, if you guys want to email Nintendo and tell them they need to let DS Cubed, Daniel Friedlander, into the media summits. I'm sure they won't listen, but it would really help if you did it anyway. If that's the case, I mean, look, and I don't blame them. I mean, they have full control. I mean, they can say, okay, well, we want our booth this way, this way, this way, this way. We want to demonstrate this, 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 and this. And we don't want to have to bother with these stupid E3 restrictions. We will take care of it ourselves. A lot of companies do that. Look at that. Look at like a company like Apple. How they have uh, WWDC, the Worldwide Developer Conference. Um, these are they are essentially managing their own um, trade shows. Nintendo's a big company now. I mean, they can probably do it. People will show up. I mean, even if it's just the media. Um, I would show up if they invited me. I'll tell you that much. I've never been invited to their fall media summit or their you know any of their media summits. I would be there if they invited me. That's a fact. Um, if if they it was. I would make time for that um, because, well, it's something I would care about. So anyway, that was one of the pieces of Zelda news, and of course, it is upsetting to many Zelda fans. Another piece of Zelda news is, is that sort of on the heels of all this is that they're sort of saying, okay, well, we're not seeing the next Zelda, but maybe the next Zelda, there was an analyst at a company called Lazard Capital Markets um, named Colin Sebastian. And Colin Sebastian said, he basically said, Nintendo should announce. It was very groundless speculation, and I really wish he hadn't done this. And of course, um, Mike Damiani, sort of as known as to be a Zelda purist, um, the guy who used to run the highway, I was talking to him about this, and he's he's saying, okay, well, you know, I don't even know. He didn't really have a. I don't, he didn't really say why he did it. A lot of people think he's doing it for attention. I don't know why. See, this is why I'm a little suspicious. Now, analysts say a lot of stuff, and he said something like oh, well, if a new Zelda would account for this much growth in the industry, and he's probably right. And, but he seemed to say, like, well, yeah, they, they're gonna, it's speculation that he's going to announce it. Now, no other um, analysts are announcing it. Lazard Capital Market, they did a little research. Or, um, you know, they're like a, they manage money in New York, and um, I, I couldn't, I wanted to see if I can get in contact with this Colin Sebastian guy. It was a little tough to do, um, so I didn't get in, any, I didn't get in contact with him. But, um, so I was, I'm trying to find out, okay, well, well, I'm trying to think, okay, so why would this guy do this? I mean, someone on the highway in the comments said, well, he wants attention. Well, 
why does he need attention? He's just a money manager. I mean, yes, if he's right, I mean, good job. I mean, you're really good for your customers. You're probably, you're probably going to get a lot more. You're probably going to get more investors that way. But I don't think that these, these analysts do it for attention. I mean, these, these people, this guy has money riding on him. Millions of dollars will be invested, perhaps, based on what he says. Because he's an analyst. And analysts are, met, are supposed to tell the, bo- the higher-ups and say, okay, well, look. This is what I think of this company. I think it's a strong buy. I think it's a strong sell. I think it's a. I think you should just hold it if or if we have it, and um, you know that's the sort of thing that an analyst does. Now, like I said, a company could decide, okay, I'm going to buy millions of dollars worth of Nintendo stock on the basis of this guy's report, because if this guy is claiming a huge number of a huge number for industry growth as a result of a new Zelda title, and this guy is confident there's going to be one. I mean. That that's a big deal. Now, I don't think Nintendo's a bad stock pick, regardless of whether they announce a new Zelda or not. But I will say though that I I do have to say I do have to say there is a little bit of something there is something to be said for you know why is this guy saying this? I don't I just don't think he wants attention. There's just there's attention, but there's not nearly enough of internet attention this guy could possibly generate from doing this. And if he that would equal the millions of dollars that could possibly be invested by Lazard Capital Markets in Nintendo and can be lost as a result of a mistake because this guy didn't know. Now, of course, it's speculation. These analysts rarely get it right, but he's the only analyst saying this, so I'm thinking, okay, well, now he might be one of these oddballs. And, of course, the Zelda community is jumping on everything they see. I mean, anything that moves, they'll, they'll, they'll jump it. But I just have to think, is there something to be said for maybe this guy knows something? Mm-hmm. Now, there. This next article that sort of is a follow-up of of this is definitely not true at all. Um, this is was about the next Zelda title being for the DS. I mean, PocketGamer dot dot co dot uk, I believe, if you're British. Um, they're you know they're a mo- mobile gaming website, and they said, okay, well maybe the next uh, Zelda will be for DS. Now, this one just I don't know. I just this one bothers me, and let me tell you. Um, I'll just read. I'll just read you what I, what I wrote. The highlight. Yeah. Um, <coughs> so basically, I said. So I basically said, okay, well, I, I don't know. I was just a little bit annoyed with the evidence. I said, so folks at Pocket Gamer believe the next game will be for not for we, but rather DS. They said. So I said, now we're getting better. At least. Unlike our analyst friend, we have at least one piece of pseudo-evidence. A DS game takes less time to develop in, the, in a Wii game. That essentially was their only piece of evidence, by the way. So, now look, don't get me wrong, but I just cannot bring myself to this. I mean, here's how I read this article when I hear it. Assuming the piece of completely groundless speculation is true, and we ignore the affirmation by Miyamoto and others that there is a Zelda game for the Wii in the works, we, an agency with a vested interest in the making of portable games, believe the next Zelda will be portable. I mean, essentially, this is, this is him. Now, many of you may not read it like this, but to the cynical mind of Daniel D.S. Cubed Friedlander, this is how I read it. Basically, they're basing it on this piece of speculation to be completely untrue. Miyamoto has said they are working on a game specifically for DS. I mean, it's other, others as well. I mean, sorry, specifically for Wii. And it's pocketgamer.co.uk. I mean, of course they're going to want it made for Zelda. I mean, for DS. 
So I said, yeah, I don't think so. While it isn't something that's completely unbelievable, I think they have only one piece of reasoning, which still beats the analyst, by the way, that isn't very solid. We just have to admit that we don't know. We had a comment the other day about the, other, the analyst just wanting attention, and I really don't think so, but this might be true for Pocket Gamer, seeing as how they really don't have anything to lose and only attention to gain by saying this, unlike the analyst who could lose millions of dollars. Pocket Gamer, I love you, but please only make these sorts of predictions when you have some good evidence and reasoning. And as you may have noticed, I, I love speculation. I've been, um, you know, I really love speculation. Of course, you know, um, I once thought there was going to be a Blu-ray player in the Wii, and I had pretty good evidence because every component maker for the Wii was, on, was in the Blu-ray camp before there was a you know, before there was a clear winner in the HD DVD versus Blu-ray thing. So that was my basis for saying that, and I think it was a pretty good reason to say it. But this is just completely groundless speculation, and they hardly even admit that it's that it's speculation. <sighs> all right, so that's all I'm going to say about this. There isn't, like I say, much, very much to say because, of, you know, of course we had the holidays and, of course, Nintendo has had, I imagine, has had a very good holiday. Um, I don't think I remember, I don't think I saw any figures for their holiday sales. Um, although, we certainly can find out. But, anyway, I, I didn't hear anything. I heard they sold a million over the Thanksgiving weekend, which I guess that means it includes Black Friday. Which is still pretty amazing, but um, anyway. So, you know, there isn't much to say. I don't. I was I was more doing a podcast because I really wanted to test out this microphone. It's just so cool. I don't have all the gear set up, but I have the microphone set up. I know I've been a little bit stupid with playing with the gain here, and I know I've probably peaked out the microphone a few times. Of course, you know I said there's this compressor while the com- that will make the volume all the same. While that always works way better while recording, there is a way to do it in post-production. I'm going to do that. Try to make all the volumes the same. It won't blast out your ears um, so much. And, um, of course, I will, you know, you know, take care of that. There isn't much else to say. I know I'm a lot of news today. Um, I'll post this up on Lithcast, um, on the forum, on not the forums, excuse me, on the RSS feed. There will be a few, no- few show notes. There really wasn't much that we talked about. Um, but oh well. So anyway, Lithcast listeners, let me just give you the sort of the shtick. This is Daniel Freelander from Lithcast.com, um, L-I-T-H-C-A-S-T dot com. I don't think we got any questions, although I will check that right now while I'm, while I'm giving you the uh, the breakdown. I don't think we got any questions. However, I will say that we did. We were lucky enough to. Um. I think we were. Oh wait, wait a minute. Excuse me. Excuse me. I'm I'm lying. I think we, I, I was kidding. We have, we have, we have letters. How stupid of me. Okay, well, we'll read the letters then. We have three letters, I think. Three? That's right. It looks, looks like we have three. Okay, the first one says, Hi, hey Daniel, I'm Piono23 from the forum. I have two questions. I've been playing Super Smash Bros. Brawl a lot lately. The only thing that I don't like much about it is the online play. It can be very laggy at times. That really stings me because when I play my 360, there's no lag. Plus, Nintendo game systems have been around much longer than Microsoft, so it's about time they fix the online play. Sometimes I kind of wish Nintendo games could be on the 360 so I would be able to play them online with no lag. Please tell me how you feel about this. Okay, second question. We speak. I just bought Animal Crossing, and I love it. 
the Wii Speak works fairly well, and it looks quite nice sitting on top of my sensor bar. My question is about games that will, that Wii Speak will support. The Conduit is the only other game I've heard of that comes out in 2009. What do you think Nintendo is going to do with the Wii Speak channel? Do you think it will be it will be used they, that they will be using it often? Keep up the awesome podcast, Piono Twenty Three. Okay, so both of those questions really pertain to online play. Um, the first one, of course, is the fact that there is a lot of lag. Super Smash Brothers Brawl is, I think, game of the year. My opinion. I'm DS Cube, so of course I'm going to be a little bit biased when I say that. And I'm going to pick a Nintendo game, pretty much guaranteed. And so, I think one of the things that we were so excited about, I mean, things that people modded their Game Cubes to do was to be able to play Super Smash Bros. online. And it was so cool that you could play Brawl online. And I remember the first day I got Brawl, only lasted one day, no lag. It was beautiful. I thought, oh my god, they have this perfected. This is going to be so great. But, um, alas, it did not last. And to this day, I play Brawl, lag. So much lag. Now, it's not the worst lag I've ever seen in my life, but let's be honest here. You, well, I don't think that your reasoning behind Nintendo being around longer makes them better for online because certainly Microsoft and all of its infinite wisdom realize that online play would be a big staple of consoles in the future and they've had online play really since the last since last gen so I got to give Microsoft credit I think although Nintendo does have a longer history than Microsoft and Sony in the gaming industry I do think there's something to be said for the fact that Microsoft is doing online longer and even Xbox Live has its problems. I know um, a lot of people think that there's that is he putting band-aids on the system. Now, I I completely agree with you that Xbox Live is perhaps one of the greatest things in gaming. It amazes me how Nintendo can sell more Wiis than than PS3s and 360s combined every month. And I believe that was a statistic I heard um, this year, and it's been that way every month this year. I do not understand, especially now that the the 360 in a certain version is now cheaper than the Wii. That is so hard to believe, but that's how it is. And so it's a little weird, I think. Like, okay, well, so, all right. I'm just thinking, like, okay, their online platform's great. But I think Nintendo still is really have yet, has yet to dip their toe in the water. Now, I don't know why exactly it is, but for some reason, Super Smash Brothers seems to be unable to be online in a very... You know, maybe it's because it's too fast, but there are plenty of really fast games on the 360 with a lot more players than Brawl. So, you got me why there's so much lag, but they deserve, but they really need to come up with a system that has less lag. But then again, Nintendo is not really counting on a lot of players that are playing online. Think about all their casual games. Those aren't so much about online play. Heck, there really isn't very much online play at all. So, I mean, I think Nintendo isn't counting on a lot of online play and so that's why you have these titles that really don't feature that much and the titles that do feature really what should be great online play it's not so great um your second question was about the we speak now i have the we speak i have not used the we speak channel yet actually i really do need to download it but i have been quite busy actually i just got back from houston on um sunday so i'm only back a few days and um as far as what games they could be using you know see here's the thing Nintendo's very fickle with their with their new features. I mean, let's be honest. A lot of the new features, a lot of the peripherals they've added for the Wii are really bad. I mean, I have no problem admitting it. Um, 
Now, peripherals have always been sort of a dicey subject. Most companies, the peripherals, I'm just thinking of the Xbox 360, which I think has the best peripherals. A lot of the peripherals are really, really stupid. I mean, I mean, I don't think they're used all that much, but they're used better. I mean, specifically, you think of something like the Xbox Live Vision Cam or the keypad. Those are things that are used well, and the headset is used well. But a lot of these peripherals are really stupid, um, even the first-party ones. So, especially with Nintendo, like I say, they're very fickle with their, with their, with their, um, with their peripherals. And what I mean by this is, you look at something like, take like their, like their, what's the name? Any peripheral. Um, the only peripheral I say they weren't, they probably well. Take for example their. Um, the name of that the Wii wheel well that's used on very few games now it came with a game I guess and then look at something like the Wii Zapper that's also used on very few games in fact the Wii mode and Nunchuck does a much better job than the Wii Zapper does anyway so okay okay there's that the really like I say the only peripheral that isn't sort of ditched is the Nunchuck and I mean aside from that Nintendo has not been so good with peripherals and I think you said it yourself, their online system is not that good to roll out voice chat and mass like Microsoft has in almost every one of their games. And even if it's not in one of their games, you can just use Xbox Live Party. Then why exactly? I don't know. I don't expect much out of the Weed You Speak channel. I got it because, you know, because I, I want, because I, I have, because I have friends that buy Animal Crossing, although it doesn't look too promising at the moment. In case that happens, I wanted to have Animal Cross, have the Wii Speak. Uh, I've heard the sound on it; doesn't sound great to me. Of course, I'm maybe I'm used to a to a better sound, so you know, there's that. So I don't know. I don't know if it's gonna be used often. I'm glad to hear the Conduit's gonna use it, but um, and Co- Conduit's a very exciting game. I hope a lot of games take off, take up after this um, Quantum Three engine that that they that um, high voltage software has developed for the game. So. I don't know what to say though. I mean, I really would like to say that they've used a lot of voice chat, but even in the DS where there's voice chat built in, it's only really well used in Metroid Prime Three. I mean, I'm sorry, Metroid Prime Hunters. I mean, it's really well used in that game. It's no, not really any lag. That game might be their best online venture so thus far, Metroid Prime Hunters. But we've seen no voice chat anywhere else. I mean, we've seen it sort of in Pokemon Diamond and Pearl, but it's kind of awkward to use. It's not easy. When you switch, when you're switching screens, it stops working. It, it's not that great. <laughs> So I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I guess also it works in Pokemon Battle Revolution, but Pokemon Battle Revolution happens to be not even a game. And if that, if that, and if you call it a game, it's certainly a really god awful game. So I don't really even know if it matters. So that's my two cents on that. I just I would not count anything. Um, Piono twenty three. I just would not count on anything. Um, all right. The next question is was from um, SSBM Master. And um, so he says, hey, DS Cubed, what is your opinion on Camelot's game output? My honest opinion is that they need to get real. They need to stop making 50 versions of games they already have, like Mario Golf, and they need to make new Golden Sun, a new Golden Sun game. They've been waiting. They have been waiting. They have been wanting to make one, but they've been wanting to make one. Yeah, but where the heck is it? And um, so as far as. Camelot's game output. I think Camelot. I think the sheer output of their games is look. I mean, 
person I happen to like Mario Tennis. I can't say I like any of these other ones like Mario Golf. And I think Golden Sun is a, is a title that I think a lot of people would like. You know, see, here's the thing. It's sort of it's sort of weird things like it's sort of sticking to your guns that I think I understand the fans want them, but you have to understand this seems like it seems almost selfish if you think about it. But the developers have to be on board with it as well. You think about something like Mega Man Nine. Well, that was really cool. They went back and made an, an old school retro style Mega Man. You know, but then you think about something like well, Zelda game. Well, maybe Miyamoto wants to experiment with new titles. Well, maybe the guys at Camelot don't really care to make an, don't really care to make another Golden Sun game. I don't know. I don't know enough about Golden Sun. I don't even play that many Camelot games. I like Mario Tennis. That's about the extent to which I like Camelot games. So you're not gonna get much of an opinion out of me. All right, last question. Um, this one, this question comes from a Wii fan. He says, "Dear DF, do you remember when I did that poll? We will go HD." Like, oh, sorry, will we go HD? We as in WII. If Nintendo's, if Nintendo says that quality game, that a quality game, that they are a quality game console, why would they put better RAM? Why wouldn't? Wow, this is not that well written. Why would they put better RAM and more graphics, and plus about a ten gigabyte hard drive, and then get some hardcore games out, and um, and get more teen rated games and more M rated games. And they'd probably get more sales. In Australia, Xboxes are 20 Australian dollars cheaper than Wii's big price difference. Um, so, I don't, I, guess I, I don't know much about Australia. Um, but I will say that I think they release more mature titles. Yes, they might get more sales among the people that are the most vocal, which are the hardcore titles. The people that control the media. As in people like myself and people like Kevin Cassidy, people like Mike Damiani, you know, Matt Cosmasina. The people that control the media. Though us guys we will likely respond better to it. I mean, it's true because we are more, we are, we are considered hardcore gamers because let me just tell you, there are very few casual gamers that will probably go out of their way to make a media outlet about casual games. I just haven't seen it really because you know, the people that are most passionate about it are probably people that are most, the more hardcore gamers. So they're not going to go out of their way and make a big deal. So it might seem that everyone wants a new golden sun game. Or everyone wants a new mother three game, but will it sell better than a, um, than a new uh, than Wii Sports Resort, I don't know. Certainly, I'd be more willing to buy a willing to buy Mother Three. I, I did like actually I did like I did like Wii Sports though, so I probably would buy a Wii Sports Resort. But um, yeah, but that's not the point. I'm not sure if it would sell better in Australia. I do understand that Wii has a high price, and I didn't realize it was that much cheaper. But um, much oh, twenty Australian do- two hundred Australian dollars. I guess anyway. Um, let's see how much is us. Let's see. So that's 139 or $140 difference in the, in us dollars. So that's actually a, a big difference, but look, I, I, I can't speak for Nintendo. I don't know how, or, um, I, I don't know. They of course are only a first party manufacturer. They can't make all the games. I know they're sort of, they sort of tried to sort of tried to, uh, put everything on the um, third parties last E3. Not a, not a good style. They really do need to step, step up to the plate. I think we have games like Mad World coming out, which are, you know, it's about as rated M as it gets, I guess. And so, um, um, but, and of course we have The Conduit coming out. Would it sell well? I guess it would sell well among the hardcore fans like us, David, but, I mean, we fan. Well, okay, that's your name is David. David, but I, um, but that may just be an illusion created by us figures in the media that it would sell well because, 
I mean, look, we go in more for the games like that anyway. So whether it would really sell well numbers-wise, I'm not sure, but probably it would do be more popular among us in the Nintendo media. So anyway, well, um, so LithCast listeners, I just want to remind you that you, of course, can always send me a question at uh, daniel at lithcast.com, and um, you are always welcome to do that, as well as... Um, as well as to uh, join our folding team, that's folding.stanford.edu. Download the GUI Tech Screensaver client for PS3, Mac, Windows, or Linux. Um, And type in the team team number 45501. Especially all you PS3 users, we really do need your work units because the PS3 is so darn efficient at processing these and the client is so well made for PS3 because there's always one hardware configuration. So the guys at Stanford did a really great job of creating a good folding piece of folding software for this and um so yeah please join um for type in 45501 when prompted for the team number also remember to check out lithcast.com l-i-t-h-c-a-s-t.com check out the hylia.com t-h-e-h-y-l-i-a.com um join the lithcast forums lithcast.com slash forums um we will i will enjoy seeing you there And I will also enjoy seeing you at the next LithCast.